Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Reinsurance Podcast. I am your co-host, Jared Lee. And I'm Ben Rose. Greetings, all. Greetings, all, from the future. Indeed. Not just because well, we're, I mean, we're I mean, the past, technically, because yeah, right. they're not live streaming this. And, and it would be impossible to do whatever is the other way. It would to record this after it. Damn you, space-time continuum. <laughs> <laughs> but we will be pushing the frontier today as we Good. touch on not only the implications of AI yeah. for insurers and reinsurers mm. and so on. <laughs> uh, careful to emphasize <laughs> what I want to talk about here. But also I, the impacts for insurance and reinsurance. Mm. Correct. <laughs> I kind of end up with like a U sound, but that's yeah. how I, that's I think how I'd normally say it. Insurance. Yeah. How do you say it? Oh, it'd be some sort of hyper nasally American sound. I'm sure. You're going to try and avoid saying insurance. It, <laughs> the whole rest of the episode, Jared will not say the word insurance. No, exactly. Um, yeah, it's one. Well, we're going to go on a massive tangent right to start. But no, it's it's one of those where. The more you think about how you might say it, the more you get yourself confused on what pronunciation you would you would deploy. Um, but no, today we're going to go right into the depth of buzzword bingo and spend the episode talking about AI. Which Yippee AI. <laughs> but this is a children's podcast, so we can't finish our, our uh, Bruce, Willis. Bruce Willis quotes. Um, but you at home can. <laughs> Um, brilliant. But let's 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 start from the top. Let's dive into AI conceptually and yep. machine learning and all that sort of thing. I'm AI as a headline stands for artificial intelligence in in most contexts. I'm sure there's a healthy disambiguation on Wikipedia that offers many alternatives, but we're going to focus on on that version. Yeah. And actually, the term comes from literally trying to mirror or replicate human esque intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like make a thing be able to do and think in a similar way to a human. Yep. Um, and then the branches of that include things like machine learning. I think people often get confused as to yep. you know, where they fit together, but machine learning is like a, a type of limited AI effectively. Yep. I There are, obviously, we've, we've been all very excited about things like generative AI, which is a very yep. sort of different strand. In, well, it's actually kind of similar, I guess. Yep. But machine learning is all about how do you get a thing to predict things really really well by feeding it loads of data yeah well and there, actually go beyond human capacity in some ways yeah but. well and there is this spectrum of you know on, on one extreme there's software engineers and people who are saying you know ai is just algorithms you're mm. just teaching it how to do a thing and it's learned like it's it's nothing more than lots of algorithms running over and over on top of each other and then finding ways to be better but the generative ai stuff and um so, so helping sort of bridge that gap. And if you look at sort of a, a brief history of this sort of work, the earlier versions, you look at the ones that made a lot of sort of ca- captured the, the public interest were things like chess, right? And you had Google building tools that could beat grandmasters in chess, and that was quite clever. And then you had um, at Go and AlphaGo being the sort of a more complicated game with loads more options and the computers learning that. Um, the earlier versions of that were teach me the t- tell me the rules of the game and the computer would then learn how the best way to play the game and then the later versions going they didn't teach the computer the rules of the game they just fed the computer loads of games and the computer would then learn what the rules were based on how those and then so you're seeing this evolution there um 
But all that is just kind of give a framework of how does this begin to work? How is it taking in data? What is it able to then do and what kind of value might you get out of it? So beating someone at a game is one part of value, possibly limited. <laughs> um, but now we're looking at going, if we could point it at huge swaths of data and ask it for insights, what kind of things might it be able to pull out that regular people and us, us mere mortals might miss? My mind is racing, which is definitely a result of too much coffee. But aside <laughs> from that, I, yeah, you made me think of, I don't, if listeners, if you haven't checked out I, an article I wrote a while ago, I, all about the film War Games. Mm. I, it's a, quite a fun intro to AI in many ways. It's all about, if you haven't, I mean, just watch the film, if, if anything, don't worry too much about the article, but I, that does. You get the article too. It's in and, the show, read, it's yeah, in the show read, now. Read the article too, but, yeah. but the film's brilliant. It's, it's <laughs> I think Matthew Broderick or whoever, but it's um, basically explores the, the use of AI in a supercomputer. Mm. There's always saying like, would you like a game of chess? Um, and extends that principle through to thermonuclear war mm. uh, and running all these scenarios and eventually it has to work out uh, the the extremes of you know what what ai can offer and the dangers it can pose and so on and this is way back you know decades ago when this film yeah. was was released and looking at the potential for very to cause damage and what i wanted to do with some of the time today was actually spend a bit of time thinking about um what are the risks of AI? You know, perhaps it's not triggering thermonuclear war accidentally by mm. a, a teenager who wants to play uh, on a supercomputer. But uh, there are certainly risks of this ultra-powerful uh, human-like intelligence, uh, I guess, exaggerating or amplifying some things more than we intended yeah. and us not being able to see exactly or understand exactly how those things have been achieved. Yeah. Uh, and to try and apply some of those risks specifically to, on one hand, uh, insurance companies and reinsurance companies, brokers, et cetera, as they provide their services. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, also how we get our heads around providing insurance and reinsurance, et cetera, for those risks yeah. themselves. So taking a step back and saying, okay, how do you insure against AI-induced thermonuclear war yeah, or whatever else. Yeah, and there's always this um, this concern around the black box, this idea that information goes in and things come out. And as humans, there's, there's a discomfort we have with going, we don't know how we got there. And that, that's always existed in, in many ways. If you look at like someone who's vastly better at maths than you, they've gone through and done some calculations and and you couldn't do them like they they are essentially the black box for you still because mm -hmm. you, you couldn't do that work but there's still an element of going but i trust that they did it right and there's some checks and balances along the way but the more we introduce these layers of technology that are able to sort of do huge swaths of that work um give us the output of that there's that resistance and reluctance to to trust it at points mm -hmm. and even though it's being it gets validated and then proven over and over it, it, you build that trust up but there is a bit of that apprehension that people will tend to have um when you think about it from the risk standpoint what you're happening especially now in this sort of era of ai we're moving into currently 
is there's organizations making strategic business decisions or purchasing or setting pricing parameters based on the outputs of of the algorithms that are coming through with the confidence that that data is correct. In many ways, that data is more accurate than the humans would have been able to do or has picked up on things. But the risk is now is now there that but what if something was wrong? What if something in the AI had misappropriated something or misclassified something or made a decision, in which case we're going to apply this sort of massive decision to a process that we're not quite sure what the, what the sort of inputs are. Are the inputs true, right? If we're talking about validating premises, it's like, well, I'm assuming the, the, in, the inputs you've given me are the, the outputs of the AI that are going to be my inputs are true, but like you could also invalidate the premise with those not being true. That's I think, the concern. Yeah, I think this is this is really interesting, right? So, I mean, putting this into a practical example, you're often concerned about um, discriminating against you know particular groups of customers as an insurer, for example, accidentally without realizing it because of something in the training data that your AI is using for the model that you that you're running. For example, you might be like the the artificial intelligence engine has spotted a correlation in between fields X and Y and therefore is now applying that on a massive scale to mm. the unknown future and accidentally charging X group more than Y group. Mm -hmm. But actually the reason is because legacy, your training data, you know, maybe you were discriminating legacy for legacy reasons mm. or maybe you uh, had an office based in a particular area that had a particular demographic and who knows, you know, but your AI has now taken that and put it on steroids and yep. applied it across your whole book without you being able to understand or explain to mm -hmm. regulators why it is that if I complete your proposal form and yeah. <laughs> put this field, then I get this price. Whereas if I put this other field and just change one category, I get this other price. Yep. Um, this is a lot of things insurers have to be careful of. And I think even more so if you think about this gradual maturity of AI, we, we've gone past the anthropomorphized kind of AI being this robot that competes with a human to be better than the human. It's, it's now not uh, can Kasparov beat the chess uh, AI. Mm. It's like deep minds now playing chess against itself yep. to find the best way, you know, I, rather, rather than relying on, you know, even any interaction with the human. So the calculations aren't like, oh, I learned from the actions of many humans before me. It's like I learned from playing against other robots. Yeah. Uh, so it becomes even harder to decipher, wait, why are we, why are we doing that? Mm -hmm. And harder to then explain to these models uh, why they should change as well. If you want to say like, oh, so the law's just changed and all of our training data is based on that law not having existed. Uh, or, I don't know, this mega, mega events just happened or this claim's just come out in a different yeah. way. How is your model going to deal with that? Yep. We'd have a very rational human approach to deal with that. But as we get further and further away from understanding the workings, it's like it's like if your smartphone breaks nowadays, the average person on the street doesn't know how to repair it or yeah. to fix it, right? Um, yeah. We do rely then increasingly on. And you, you touched on something I think is really important in this conversation when we think about insurance and reinsurance. <laughs> um, but this idea that these are regulated regulated industries and the regulator has to have comfort with how you're approaching 
various pricing models, and especially if you think about the states, uh, the United States, you have them have to submit their rates and stuff across different products, you know, at, at the state level, and the regulators are able to sort of interrogate that and ask and demand justification for why those things are the way they are and what decision making and processes you undertook in order to to reach those conclusions, and one of the the concerns I think the governments are having, you're seeing loads of governments now beginning to spin up like AI panels and sort mm-hmm. of urgently push through these conversations because there's a concern that you can see from them around we potentially are losing sight of this decision-making mm-hmm. threshold that before we could just say, hang on a second, I'm not going to accept your application. Tell me why. And you'd say, well, these reasons, and here's my paper. Um, and now that person goes, I don't know why. Computer said so. And and the regulators are having a hard time coming to grips with stuff like that. Um, so when you think about the products that we sell as an industry, both in the insurance and reinsurance industries, um, require in some ways clarity as to how they got to a certain point. Um, for, for the outward side, when you think about pricing, perhaps, maybe it's okay for that you know, especially on the reinsurance context, to say, well, I pumped it through the pricing algorithms are running on AI based on our op- portfolio optimization strategy, and therefore we're happy with this price for this deal. Mm-hmm. If you've missed the price, you're either more or less profitable, or you lose the business if it's too expensive or similar. But it feels the impact could be lower. So there's, if you, if you think about a two-by-two, two, um, there's certainly a high-impact, high-risk kind of category, right? In, yeah, in the top right there. Definitely, and I think it's it's a deployment decision a lot of the time in terms of where you put AI into your business as an insurer. Like, are you going to put uh, it in the driving seat and let it make all, all the decisions and then potentially not be able to explain mm-hmm. why you've made those decisions? That might be maybe a later mature kind of, you've done lots of other AI first and you've got a very high level of confidence yeah. before you start taking those things. I think... Um, especially in an industry where we've got a, a very well-known garbage in garbage out problem i with our data quality in particular i that maybe feels like a, a reach too far initially to be putting the ai in charge of of decisions rather i it seems to me more of a cautious and prudent approach to start using ai as an assistant yeah uh, that helps you actually be more assured of the providence of your data yeah. and to look at you know anomaly detection or to look at how do I understand uh, potential errors or risks or, or things that I hadn't spotted thanks to the superior processing power yeah. thanks to the superior I highlight trend. things I should review and yeah, yeah exactly yeah. make us way better at decision making but yeah. don't take decisions for us that we can't explain yeah I am um, but so I agree with you, and I think that's the sort of first pass. The one thing that's kind of interesting already, and maybe it's because it's such a buzz currently, is it feels like for the first time insurance is actually out front, right? Mm-hmm. We saw a product from Munich around how they can help provide reinsurance on these types of things, which usually, as we've talked about before, reinsurance is sort of waiting at the end, and then once we've had issues with something, we sort of backfill of an insurance product there but it feels like we're sort of getting out front which is kind of interesting yeah i thought this was really cool actually so we were looking i unfortunately i think most of the literature out there by which i mean random google search results <laughs> 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 on you know 
how do you ensure AI risks? Mm. I, I immediately defaults to more conversations around, you know, how do you use artificial intelligence uh, yeah. in your business, etc. As an insurer, and I think there's loads of commentary on from lots of consultants, mostly <laughs> helping insurers think about how they could deploy AI. But when it comes to actually ensuring the risks associated with that AI for businesses using some kind of artificial intelligence more generally that has been much harder to figure out again we had the gartner survey uh, not too long ago that said ai was one of the biggest risks identified by executives in their survey i i think it was the number one actually thinking about it yeah it i obviously with all the hype around generative ai mm-hmm. you know and, and things happening like oh i the <laughs> ChatGPT quoting games Game of Thrones characters as if they're real historical figures. You know, there's a lot that could potentially go wrong. Yeah. You know, in in different scenarios and different business use cases. So, how on earth do we as an industry figure out how to insure against those risks? And the way that we could find some examples of this materializing uh, was in the form of performance guarantees, mm-hmm. effectively. So, I. Uh, Munich Re have got this product. I can't remember if it's AI Sure or Sure AI. Yeah, Sure AI. One of these variations. <laughs> um, and they've got this brilliant on their site. They've got loads of case studies of, of how they've used it. But effectively, if you're a company that sells some kind of AI capability to clients, and they've seen their case studies across all sectors, um, let's say you know you, you detect fraud mm-hmm. or you uh, identify crop yields. I'm sort of inventing some of them here but i in those scenarios you might have an expected performance i consistency and regularity you might guarantee that it it detects all fraud and never misses any or it it tells you where the fruit's going to appear and never fails to spot you know when the bananas are going to be ripe or whatever it is i but if your customers then turn around and be well it's completely missed this or Mm. we had this huge fraud that we've been relying on this AI that we don't understand to solve for yeah. us. Uh, that's a really, s- it makes it a very scary step for that firm's customers to take in adopting them if they don't understand, yeah. to your point, exactly what it's doing. But if so there's, there's a claim route in which they have to say, this is the loss I had because I didn't, this is, I was making decisions based on what you're advising and that didn't pay out so I can make a claim now against that. It feels like a logical step. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's a bit like uh, Airbnb is a, a great example, right? So people didn't really want to put their homes on Airbnb unless they knew that their homes would be insured, yep. unless they were really desperate for cash. <laughs> um, so a really critical step in, in getting homes on Airbnb uh, was making sure that people felt sure that they could yeah. get some kind of uh, compensation if, if things did go wrong. I. Um, so from an adoption point of view, the industry has a huge role to play in helping the world, the economy at large in adopting AI by coming in and saying, it's okay, adopt this AI um, and we will be the backstop. We will cover you in case it all goes wrong, which obviously brings with it a lot of risks. Yeah. But equally, I'm sure like fire insurance did, etc. it will also introduce levels of standards, right? Well, and I think this is where we'll see all this go, and we'll certainly talk about the role that this technology is playing as we sort of track and monitor the industry as we as we continue on the podcast. But it's a super interesting first step. So, we'll stay tuned next time for 
our return to the present. <laughs> Thanks, everyone.